All right, you guys ready to get into God's Word? Romans chapter 8, if you have your Bibles here with you today. If not, we'll put the uh, scriptures up on the screen. You can follow along that way as well. But Romans chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 12 through 17. While you're turning there, does anybody remember um, an an old movie for for kids? Uh, I think it was Disney that put it out. It was called, uh, what was was it called? It was um, Incredibles. Do you guys remember Incredibles? There's this, this family of superheroes. The dad's name is Bob, right? And he's a superhero, super strong. He can do all these things. And in this superhero movie, the superheroes are saving people and doing all this great stuff. But, you know, um, as they save somebody from a car accident and they get whiplash, they would sue the superheroes. And they were having all of these lawsuits and different things against these superheroes. And, and Bob, who is this huge superhero, they, they finally put superheroes aside. They're not allowed to do any of their superhero stuff anymore. And Bob goes through what I would call a massive identity crisis, right? He had lived his entire life being this superhero that was helping people and doing all that he could to better society. And all of a sudden he's thrown in a cubicle and he's writing these insurance things for people. It was, he was having a massive identity crisis. And I remember watching this movie with my kids and I was just like really drawn in. And I'm usually not drawn into those Pixar, Disney movies. But as I'm sitting here watching this, because Bob, he goes from the superhero into writing these insurance things for these people. And he, he just is depressed. And all of a sudden, somebody opens the door for him to maybe go back into being a superhero again and doing these works. But he has to do it against the, like break the law. And he has to do it in secret. And so he doesn't tell his wife. He starts to lie to his wife. He starts to leave his family, leave his kids for an extended period of time, and I'm watching this, and I'm just going, Bob, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're missing out. Your kids are growing up. You're missing all this stuff, and I started thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. I mean, I can, as a guy who's working, and I'm raising three kids, because my kids were small, I started to identify with Bob. I was like, you know, I, even as a pastor, I know that as you walk with people in their last days before they go to see the Lord, I've never had one person say to me, man, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. I just had two more hours would have just put me over the top. I've never had that conversation. Every conversation over 25 years, every funeral, the hundreds of funerals that I've done, every single one of them says, I wish I could have spent more time with my family. I wish I could have invested more time in my kids, in my spouse, in my family. That, that's the conversation. I'm watching Bob go through this identity crisis of, I want to be a superhero, so much so that I'm just going to leave my family, lie to my wife, and do this stuff. And I'm like freaking out as I'm watching Incredibles, this cartoon, right? And it's just this, this huge, identity is so important. Where we find value, how we live our life, where we find purpose and vision, in our lives is vitally important in who we are and and what our lives look like and the legacy that we're going to leave as people. Man, it's, it's crazy. We've all had people in our lives throughout our entire lives telling us who we are from the moment we're born into this world. It's our parents, then it's our teachers, it's our coaches, then it's our friends, our coworkers, our bosses. Then we have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and they're painting this picture of what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to act and all of these different things that are, are so wrong, right? So out of balance. And so it's just crazy of how we can draw our, our identity. Where do we draw our identity from. Another thing that makes it really difficult for us to find our identity and hold on to identity is the changes that we go through in life. We go through change. We get, we're single. 
We go through school. We go through college. We meet a spouse. We get married. Complete addition to identity. I'm Matt, but now I'm uh, Jonelle's husband, right? I'm, jo- I'm a husband. And then, then you have kids, and, and then you're a dad, and then, then you're a spouse or a wife. Or you have kids, and you're raising kids, and you're doing all this different stuff. And next thing you know, your kids are off go- going off to college, and you're an empty nester now. And you have all of these different things that kind of encroach on who you think you are, who you know you are. And it's just these massive changes that we go through. You see, God knows that identity is vitally important. In his word, God's word, the Bible, God talks a ton about identity and who we are. Again and again in Scripture, we hear what our Creator says about us, who we are, who He is, what we have done, what He has done, how He lived, and how we are supposed to live. Now, as we think about identity today here in Romans 8, who are we going to believe? I think this is a really, really hard question for us. It sounds really easy, like, oh, Matt, I believe what God says about me. But if we actually look at our lives and we look at the decisions that we make and the things that we do, we're going to find a little bit of of crossover where I I sometimes live out what God says about me, who God says I am. And then there's some times in my life that I'm not living that out. I I might be living out what my parents said about me when I was 12, right? Or what my my coworkers say about me from time to time. There's a struggle. We, I think, All of us struggle with identity from time to time in our lives. Well, God tells us who we are in Scripture. And in that definition, in God's definition, we find our purpose and the motivation to live out the destiny that God has set before us. If you're here today for the first time, maybe visiting church for the first time or watching online, hear this. You have a destiny and a purpose. You have a destiny and a purpose. God has set aside things for you to do. You have been set apart by God because he loves you. God has called us to be a light in darkness, to be salt and light. And I love how Randy prayed this morning. God has more for you than you could ever imagine. We're going to look at what that is in Romans 8. Let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is truth and life. And in it, we find out who you are. We find out more of who we are. Father, I pray that as we open your word, that you would soften our hearts to receive that truth. God, that your Holy Spirit would bring understanding to these words. I surrender to you, Father, this morning. Use me as you see fit for your glory, for your kingdom, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8, starting in verse 12, says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I I underline that in my Bible. I've got it underlined and circled there. It's really good. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, the first thing I want us to really kind of soak in from this text today, it's the first fill-in in your program as you came in, is this. 
We choose righteousness because we are led by the Spirit. We choose righteousness because God, the Holy Spirit living in us, enables us to choose righteousness. God has changed us. When you put your faith and your trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, God changes us. His perfect life and the death that he died in our place, God supernaturally puts his spirit in us when we put our faith in him. He then, through the power of the Spirit, convicts us of sin and comforts us in our sufferings and reveals God to us through his word, the Bible. So when we give our lives to Christ, God changes our station. He changes our status. But it's, it's even greater than that. He has changed and is changing our hearts. He is shifting our paradigm. Things that we used to think and see as fine and just okay to go through life with, we now, by the power of the Spirit and conviction, say, whoa, 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 that's not so fine, that's not so good. Now, this heart change is really, really important for us because change of station and change of status is really good. But if there's no heart change that goes along with that, you can run into all kinds of problems. In fact, we see that living itself out in the NFL right now. ESPN did research on the NFL, and there's a huge tragedy that's going on. There's 78% of NFL players that retire, 78% find themselves broke or in financial stress within two years of retirement. These are guys who are like winning the lottery. You know, I, I forget, I don't even know what the minimum salary is. I'm sure it's around $250,000 a year. Most of these players are just making bank, but they don't know how to live with that kind of money. They've had a, a change of station, a change of status, but they, they haven't been taught to, to live with this, this kind of wealth and, and how to deal with it. And it's, a, it's the same thing. As we give our lives to Christ, we have a change of status, but God does more than that. He starts to change the way that we think, the way that we live. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. So instead of just giving us the greatest, most costly gift, which is forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus, he adds in an eternal relationship with him through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit in us. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in the heart of every believer, empowering us to say no to sin, to grow and to continually change over time, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And I've said this before, this, this is a journey where we start out, we, we start out right here, and, and we, we make a couple of good things. God empowers us to make a couple of good decisions. We take these th two steps forward here. And you know, we're not perfect. We make, a, we make a bad decision here or there, and we may take a step back. But God, the Holy Spirit, convicts us. We repent. We go before God. We confess that sin. He does a change in work in us. It's a little painful, but it's good. And we take like four steps forward, right? And it's, it, we're in this progress. We're in this journey. That is relationship with God. And, and it's not over weeks, but over months and over years, we, we take those steps forward and we take those steps back and we take more steps forward. And then next thing you know, three years down the road, five years down the road, we're stopping and looking back and saying, wow, 
I am not the person I was five years ago. Now, just as a testimony to those who are watching me, hearing me say this and thinking to themselves, that's crazy, that never happens. Who here has experienced the sanctifying change of God in their life over the last 10 years and can say they are not the same person? This is a testimony to the work and the power of God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit in us, working and doing what only he can do, changing our hearts. Man, if you're here and you're struggling with something, if you're here working through something and you're just like, man, I just don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. Man, I thought I saw a light at the end of the tunnel, but it was a train and it ran me over and I'm just roadkill. If that's you today, remember all those hands that you just saw go up. God can change you. God can do anything. And he loves you and he has plans for you. He can change you. He doesn't just change our station. He doesn't just change our status. He changes who we are. Identity is so important. When we do these things, when we, when we begin following God and the Holy Spirit begins working in us, it is the Holy Spirit leading us, enabling us, and empowering us. These things don't puff us up and we don't become prideful because we recognize and know that 110% of anything good that comes out of us is the Lord. There's nothing good that can come from that. It is all good that comes from the Lord. So any time that you see Christians in there, you may see them do good things or other things. It, is, it doesn't build us up to prideful boasting because we know. We know it is all him. It is all the work of God in our lives. And that's the most amazing thing. We're not pushed to pride. We're pushed to worship. Because God has done these things in and through us. He is doing this work in and through us because we are his children. That's what it says in Romans 8. And that's the second fill-in in your notes today. We are free from fear because we are children of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What a statement. That word, that Abba, Father, that's, that is something a child would say. That's like, that's like my son running up to me saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Running to me, I remember when Noah was just, you know, two, three, three or four years old, and I would come home from work. He'd come sprinting to the door and usually face plant on his way because he's, you know, learning to run. You remember those days? And he's just running, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. That's the picture that's being painted here. That's, that's what's being said. He is God our Father. But catch what it says there in Romans, that we're set free from a, a spirit of fear that we were slaves to fear. Fear is a powerful motivator. It can be used to manipulate. It can be used to do great harm. Fear is also a great protector when it's in the correct balance, when we view it correctly. Fear of heights is good when it keeps us away from the edge of a cliff. Fear of a lion is good when it keeps us away from the lion's den. But fear, wrongly interpreted, can leave us debilitated and buried in anxiety. Now, for the sake of time, I want to look at two types of fear that we can all struggle with from time to time. The first one is the fear of man. The fear of man. 
Now, this fear can creep up on us quickly and sneakily. It starts out with like not wanting to disappoint someone, right? I just, I just don't want to disappoint them. They ask you to do something you know you shouldn't do, but the thought comes to mind, but if I say no, what will they think of me? What will they say about me? Will I lose credibility with them? Everybody's going to be talking about me. If I don't do this, I'm going to be the one guy, the one girl that, that doesn't follow through, doesn't do this thing that the boss or whoever was asked me to do it, you know, it's like peer pressure. Come on, everybody's doing it, right? Am I going to be that one person that everybody's talking about? And we work these scenarios out in our, our minds, right? It goes over and over and over again. And the next thing you know, you're having anxiety about it. And you're sweating and you're just like can't sleep and you have acid reflux and you're just a hot mess, right? Like, what is going on? I just can't believe this. I don't want to be known as Mr. Do-Gooder. And these thoughts overcome us and overwhelm us quickly. Hundreds of thousands of thoughts you can think of just super quick. I mean, it just happens so fast. But God tells us not to fear man. In fact, he says things like this. Why would you fear man? They can't do anything. They may be able to harm your body, but why would you fear one that could just harm the body? Shouldn't you fear one that, that holds your soul in his hands, your eternity in his, in, your hand, in his hands? The Bible says don't worry about what people think. Be more concerned about what God thinks. What does God think about this? You remember the uh, what would Jesus do bracelets? They're like overused now, right? WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? But it is so true. What would Jesus think? As we go through life, it is, it's easy to get caught up in this, man. You look, you're going through life and you're, you have relationships, important relationships at work or wherever it may be. And somebody asks you to do something you shouldn't do. Somebody does something they shouldn't be doing and invite you into that. It's difficult. It's hard. But we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear man. God calls us to fear him, to be in awe of who he is, what he's done. And who he says we are. The second fear that we can all struggle with, and I'm going to get to like how we deal with these fears in just a minute, but the second fear we all struggle with at times is the fear of death. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. We should all fear death, right? Like we all should want to live, right? Like there's that we should want to live. But there's an unhealthy fear of death that I want to talk about. I remember one time, Flying home from school in Canada, I went to Pacific Worship School in Vancouver, B.C. And for Christmas one year, I was flying home, and I, I hadn't flown uh, by myself before. In fact, I don't know if I'd ever flown at all before. Yeah, I think it was my first time flying, and I was going to be flying this four-hour trip from Seattle to uh, Indianapolis. And I remember talking to my dad. I'm real excited to come home for Christmas, but then I was starting to be overwhelmed with fear. Like, I'm going to get lost in the airport. And then you watch movies where planes are crashing and fire and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I have a massive fear of heights. It's like my number one fear. And I'm like, I'm going to be up in a metal thing that floats thousands and th tens of thousands of feet above earth. 
And I was just overwhelmed. I mean, I was, I was a mess. You know, I talked about that mess earlier. I was that hot mess. I was acid reflux. I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, I really wanted to see my family. I hadn't seen them in a long time. I really wanted to come home for Christmas and, and have all that time with grandparents and everything else. But I, I was like this close. I, I called my dad. I was like, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, Matt, it's more likely you're going to be in a car accident than you're going to be in a plane crash. Anybody ever heard that one? That makes so much sense, and it's so true if you look at percentages. But when you're really afraid of flying, it doesn't help at all. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can say that all you want, but it just doesn't help, you know? And it's so funny because I went to my roommates, and I'm like, i got to fly home next week. I don't think I can do this. Like, Matt, you're more likely to be in a car accident than you're being a plane crash. Like, that doesn't help me right now, right? No, I think that we can have an unhealthy fear. If fear is unhealthy, when it makes you more cautious than you really need to be to stay safe, and when it prevents you from doing things you would otherwise enjoy. Fear is also unhealthy if it prevents us from doing what God has commanded us to do. We don't have to fear. That's what Romans 8 is saying. But how do we not fear? Here's the key. We have to remind ourselves of who we are. But it's more than that. We have to remind ourselves of whose we are. Do you know whose you are? Our identity in Christ is the key to dealing with fear. And we have to remember we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. He can do anything. He knows everything, and he is always with us. We have nothing to fear. Paul, in Scripture, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, really gets this aspect of our identity as Christians. He said, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In Philippians 1, 21 through 24, it says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means to keep on living, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. He's talking about dying or living. He's hard-pressed between the two, between living or dying. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's what Paul says. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. While we live, breathe, and draw breath on this earth, we have a job to do, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a job to do for the kingdom of God. But don't forget, it is far better to be with Christ. We can look at this world and, and really mix up our values. It's hard because we live in this world. It's tangible, right? It's like cheesecake tastes really good. Right? And we, we, can, we can go and enjoy different things and, and enjoy the sun and sunsets and the beauty of creation that are really meant to point us to Christ, to point us to our Creator, but so oftentimes kind of attach us to this temporary existence. And we begin to value the temporary above the eternal. And in Christianity, what God teaches us is to value eternity and let that play into the way we value the temporary. You see, only, only when we 
are in relationship with God, in right relationship with him, will we be able to evaluate, walk through, and live in the temporary relationships that we have here on earth? You see, only, only when we learn to love God and live in relationship with God will we ever truly be able to love others and live in right relationship with them in a healthy, balanced way. You see, when we, when we see God for who he is and what he's done, we don't fear man. If I truly believe he's all-powerful, all-knowing, he is always with me, he's the creator of the universe, you don't scare me. Nobody scares me because I'm his. And he created everything just with the words out of his mouth. I don't fear death. I don't fear it. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. I get to be with him. Now, while I live here in the days that he's numbered for me, he has jobs for me to do. He has work for me to do. So I live and I do those things as much as I can and the best for his kingdom. But I remember whose kid I am. You are a child of the king and you have nothing to fear. Man, that's, that is so easy for me to stand up here and say. But boy, is that hard to live out. Can I get an amen on that one? May I tell you what? It is hard to live out. And a pandemic will show you real quick what that looks like. Right? Man, the stuff that we go through will show us how hard that is real quick. It's when those types of things encroach on our lives and those kinds of things press in on us that we have to know whose kid we are. I said it during the pandemic. I said, you are not going to go see Jesus one second before or after God ordained it, before time began. He knows the hairs that are on your head, the number of hairs on your head, even though they decrease over time, and mine's way down there now. And he knows every, every minute of your life. That's the God that we serve. We have nothing to fear because we say, Abba, Father, Daddy, creator of the universe, King of kings, Lord of lords. Now we can be assured of this child of God identity, this freedom that we have from fear because we have been adopted. That's what it says in verses 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And that's the third filling in your notes is this. We are heirs of Christ because we have been adopted. We are heirs of Christ because we have been adopted as sons. Has anybody ever attended an adoption service in a courtroom before? Man, you gotta go sometime. It is the most phenomenal thing ever. I remember, I, I forget, I've been to quite a few now. I'm trying to remember the first one I went to. We do a ton of adoptions here at Mission View Church. We have a lot of adoptions happening. So I went to one of the adoptions. I think it was the Baracus's adoption, their first one. And um, they asked me to come and pray over the proceedings. And so I went, and it, it's in the courthouse. There's a judge in the robe. There's the, you know, the police officer standing there. And there's, you know, there's everybody's around this. This is a legal proceeding. This child is changing their name. Legally changing the, the responsibilities, changing their life. And I remember watching this, I'm watching this go on, and I'm like, 
This is Romans 8. This is, this is a legal process that is governed by the authorities, and that judge takes the gavel and slams it down on the wood, and it cracks throughout the courthouse, and that's a different kid. Go, he was going from no future to future. Going from no inheritance to inheritance. That's what adoption does. That's the picture. That's what God has done for you and me. He has taken us and given us his last name. Now that's really good news. I love my dad. He went to be with the Lord a couple years ago. Was a great, a just godly man. Praise the Lord for him. But he's, he's not Jesus. God changes our last name. And we are now heirs with Christ. You have a future. You have an inheritance that goes far beyond any earthly wealth or any of this other stuff. It is, it is eternal value, eternal reward with relationship with your creator. And he gives us that through his son, Jesus Christ. Now get this. In Roman times, back in Jesus' time, when Paul would have written this, Adoption wasn't necessarily as we see it today. A lot of times in the Roman world, adoption would happen because someone who is very wealthy had no heir to leave it to. Had no heir to leave it to. So in Roman times, sometimes this wealthy person would just would pick someone. He'd be like, hmm, you, Joe, Joe, you're my heir. Come on, let's head to the courthouse. Joe's over there going, what? This is like the richest guy in town. Why does he call? Why does he want me to go to the courthouse with him? What's happening here? Joe did nothing. He, he, he didn't work for the guy. He didn't earn it. He didn't, like, he would, didn't live a life that would, would cause this guy to, to choose him to do this. There was this. This wealthy guy knew the end was coming, and he needed an heir. Hey, Joe, let's head to the courthouse, make this thing happen. Joe did nothing to merit that kind of kindness, that kind of, Grace. He just became an heir. That's sort of, kind of, like what God has done for you and me. We haven't done anything to earn it. There's no goodness in us that would merit that kind of kindness, that radical grace. But God so loved you that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We are heirs with Christ because we have been adopted. This is our identity. This is who God says you are. Son, daughter, you have nothing to fear because God is dad, daddy, father. You don't have to fear man. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear any of this stuff. You've been set free from fear because you're a child of God. And that makes you an heir to eternity with him. Man, that is good news. But I know there's some here today that don't know God as dad, as father, as forgiver, 
as friend. You see, all of us, every single human being was brought into this world separated from their creator, separated from God. We are born into sin because sin came into the garden and it affected humanity from the very beginning. We are born into a leaning or tendency away from God, away from relationship with him. We didn't have that identity, that adoption, that, that child of God put on us. You may be here and not have that today, and you're like, man, I want to be free from fear. I want to have that assurance. I want that identity. And you can have that identity because of what Jesus did. We just celebrated it last week, that Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life that you and I can't live. Like, we try, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. We try, we try, and we try, and we fail, and we fail, and we fail. But God knew we would. That's why he sent Jesus, to do what we can't do, live a perfect life. And he lived a perfect life, not just in the things he did and didn't do, but even in his thought life. Jesus was perfect in his thought life. 33 years, and then he's murdered on a cross. He lived a perfect life, but then he died a sinner's death for me and you. And all he's asking is that we would put our trust in that perfect life, in that sinner's death, that by grace, that unmerited favor of God, by grace, through faith, trusting him, trusting him with our tomorrow, trusting him with our next year, our 10 years, our 20 years, or whatever he's given us. Trusting him with those things and trusting in who he said he was, that Jesus was God, is God, that he rose from the dead, conquered death, conquered sin for me and you. Put your trust, put your faith in God today. And you can have the identity that we've been talking about. And that is the good news. That is the gospel, which means good news. That is good news for me and you. Let's pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the identity we have in Christ. And Lord, I just pray right now for all those watching online, all those here in this room right now that don't have that identity. God, I pray that you would grant them the faith to put their trust in you, that your grace would overwhelm them. They've done nothing to merit it, nothing. There's no goodness, inherent goodness in them that deserves it, but it is you, God. Your goodness, your grace, your kindness poured out on us. Poured out on them right now, Father, for your kingdom, for their good, for their eternity. If that is you, put your faith in Jesus right now. Give your life to him. And Lord, for those of us who do have that identity, God, we pray that you would help us to live it out. In the hard times, in the good times, Father, that we would live out our identity in Christ. We have nothing to fear because of you and what you have done and whose we are. Remind us of that each and every day. And as we go from this place, that we would, would share this good news with others. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing a couple closing songs today.